0: Verse 37, John chapter 18, verse 37, Jesus standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate therefore asked Him, saying, Art Thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear testimony or witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears My voice. And again, when you understand the Hebrew context, hears and responds to my voice. Pilate said unto him, what is truth? It is from there we will launch our message this morning. As you have heard me say on many occasions, Christianity is not based upon emotions. It's not based upon feelings. Christianity is based upon fact. The tomb was empty. Jesus had risen physically and literally from the dead, proving that He was the Lord. Because that was the miracle by which He would bear that testimony. After all the miracles He'd done, the Pharisees and others came to Him and said, "'Master, show us something. Give us, a, give us proof that You're the Messiah.'" And Jesus said, "'Only one piece of evidence will I present to an evil and adulterous generation. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, so will I be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights.'" So when Jesus came out of the tomb, that was the declaration that He was, in fact, the Lord. And again, that's why He physically encouraged His disciples to check Him out. When He appeared to them physically, He said, go ahead, here, feel the nail prints in my hands. Go ahead, here, check the imprint in my hands. Give me something to eat. Well, what was all that about? It was proving that He was not a phantom spirit, but that He was a physical body. He was literally raised from the dead. Ladies and gentlemen, facts matter. When in the garden, after God had created Adam and Eve on day six, God had given them one prohibition. He said, you all know that which is good. You're walking with me daily, but there's one thing that's off limits. This one specific tree, this one right here, I'm sure he pointed it out. It's in the midst of the garden. Of this tree, that's off limits. Don't eat of that fruit. You already know that which is good, but if you disobey me, then you'll know evil as well. Of course, you know that the serpent came and tested or tempted Eve and offered his alternative truth claim. He said, did God really say that? Well, yeah, God said that the day we eat of this, we will certainly surely die. What did Satan say? Oh, you shall not surely die. Folks, competition of truth claims. Ultimately, Eve trusted the serpent, And sin was brought into humanity. Truth matters. Now, the Bible tells us that man was created different from all other. The Hebrew word is nefesh. It's it's air-breathing creatures. Man was created in the image of God. We were given the ability to reason and to make moral decisions. We have the capacity to determine what right and wrong was, then to make a decision to do right or wrong. We also were equipped with the ability to worship and to walk daily with our God. Now, God's will for us is for a man to be fully in love with Jesus, Jesus, with his eyes fixed on Jesus, living a life to glorify Jesus, to be joined together with a woman in the same condition, her eyes fixed on Jesus, her her, in love and surrender to Jesus, then together they become one. God blesses them with the fruit of that relationship. Then they are to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Man was commanded to fill the earth, to steward over God's creation. We were commanded to work six days as unto the Lord, and. to care for and provide for our own families we're to honor god with our first fruits we're to enjoy what the old testament jewish idiom says our own fig trees and our own vines what does that mean it's talking about enjoying our own private property and enjoying god's provision for us and as micah 6 8 says what does the lord require of thee but to love mercy to seek justice and to walk humbly with our god but even though God loves us, and demonstrated His love in so many countless ways, He has given us the freedom to choose to love Him in return, or not true. But the truth is, is that even though we are sinners, God loves us. Even though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But even though God offers to us eternal life through the finished work of Jesus, even there we have a choice whether we receive that gift or to reject that gift. Folks, you know what we call that? We call that personal responsibility, We call that individual responsibility. The choice is mine. By the way, the consequences are mine. And none of us are victims of Adam's sin. I myself am a sinner. And through Christ, I can be victorious over sin. But the choice is mine. Ladies and gentlemen, truth matters. Facts matter. My decisions matter. And the consequences of my decisions and actions matter. Now, we are all equal in the eyes of God. We are all descendants of Adam on the same footing. We are all created equal and of equal worth, equal responsibility to our God for our decisions and for our actions. Now, I had no control over being born a white man male in edmond oklahoma in the united states of america in 1963 by the way this was the old Edmund hospital that's now othello's had bronco theater downstairs the hospital upstairs i had no control over being born a white male in edmond oklahoma in 1963 but i was isn't that a cute little guy That's why mom and dad stopped after three. They'd finally gotten it right. But the psalmist says that even in my mother's womb, as my body was being formed, God knew everything about me. And even more than that, God told Jeremiah at his call to ministry that before he was in his mother's womb, God had a plan in mind for him and a specific job for him to do. Now, I have no idea why some people are six foot five inches tall, while others are five foot six inches tall. I have no idea why some are naturally handsome to the eye, while others are not. I have no idea why some people are born in America and some are born in Asia. I have no idea why some were born to rich parents and some to poor parents. I have no idea why some were born with handicaps while others are not. And by the way, I have no idea why some of us get cancer and others do not. We may all have different stories. We may have different advantages or disadvantages and opportunities. I don't know why that is, but I do know this. No one has an excuse We're all accountable for the decisions we make and the actions that we take in this life. Most important of those are, will we trust in Jesus for our salvation? And will we live our lives obediently with Jesus as our Lord? And one day, every one of us will stand before Him, either as Savior at the judgment seat of Christ, rewarded for our faithfulness, or we will stand before him as judge at the great white throne judgment. But no one will have an excuse. It will be no one's fault but yours. This is truth. Now, with truth being established, let us examine a modern deception that's being foisted upon our country and culture, and let us examine it through the lens of truth. That deception is called critical race theory. Now, you all know we have taught on Marx and compared it to Scripture. Marxism compared to scripture Black Lives Matter compared to scripture You can find all those on our website In our archives So we will not take time to rehash anything But remember, Karl Marx was an atheist He believed that there, uh, only in naturalism Only in the natural world That there was no supernatural And he believed that man was not responsible for his actions But was a victim of his environment And if man was in a perfect environment Then man could be perfectible Now, obviously, from a biblical background, we know the error and all that. But again, we'll not cover that today because we already have. In Marx's theory, all problems stemmed from an economic conflict contrasting what he called the bourgeois, which were the property owners or the business owners, and the proletariat. These were the non-property owners or the workers. In Marx's simple view, he considered the business owners always as oppressors and the workers always as the oppressed. Now Marx believed that it was inevitable that what he called the working class would one day rise up in revolution against the private property owners and usher in a communist utopia. But it never happened. And by the way, recognize that Marx and Kant And Hegel, all were from Germany. They believed that Germany was the ideal spot for this to begin. Now Lenin, after the people of Russia had thrown off their czars, Lenin came in and deceived the people of Russia. And he came to power and ushered in what we now know as the Soviet Union. But it never happened in Germany. And again, they thought that it was the perfect spot in post-World War I Germany. There was poverty and hyperinflation. And after Germans uh, had lost the war, there was a lot of finger-pointing after they had surrendered. The communists were working every day trying to gain control of the intellectual debate for the economic system there in Germany. The one that they believed worked best, which of course was communism. On June the 22nd, 1924, a permanent research center was funded and formed... In Frankfurt, Germany. It was called the Institute for Social Research. This was an institution devoted to training and spreading Marxism. It is known historically as the Frankfurt School. When you hear people talk about the Frankfurt School or the Frankfurt School of Marxism, this is what they're talking about. So this was established in 1924. By 1933, a man named Adolf Hitler had been appointed chancellor in Germany. The Marxists knew they were in trouble, so they had to leave the country before they would be killed. Now listen, here's how it came to America. Thanks to the assistance of another Marxist atheist named John Dewey. By the way, look at this quote. Dewey, just so you know, is the father of modern American public education. John Dewey is an atheist and a Marxist. John Dewey authored and signed, or one is one of the authors and signers of what's called the Humanist Manifesto. Trying to offer an alternate reality than a biblical worldview. An atheistic worldview in every area uh, of life. Look at this. You can't make socialists out of individuals. Children who know how to think for themselves spoil the harmony of the collective society which is coming where everyone is interdependent. Boy, isn't that wonderful that that man has been the cornerstone of our public educational systems. And when you see this and when you see what we'll continue to lay out, it's easy to understand why we're seeing what we're seeing in the streets and why so many things happen, especially after our kids leave home and we send them to these universities. Well, Dewey worked at Columbia University, and he brought the Frankfurt School of Marxism and gave them a home at Columbia University. Now, by the way, from there, they began to work out and infiltrate. As a matter of fact, the director, Max Hortmeyer, said this, the revolution Won't happen with guns, rather it will happen incrementally, year by year, generation by generation. We will gradually infiltrate their educational institutions and their political offices, transforming them slowly into Marxist entities. That is his word, not mine, as we move towards universal egalitarianism. Folks, we all know we're all created equal, but there's no such thing as guaranteed outcomes. Boy was he right. They infiltrated our universities first and everybody wanted to copy and follow the Ivy League so it permeated all of our universities. Some of the most sought-after professors and teachers are certainly graduates from the Ivy League. Then, especially over the last eight years of Common Core, this has been permeating our educational system. No more is education about reading, writing, and arithmetic. No more are we teaching true history. Now we're talking about evolution. We're talking about critical theory. We're training our kids about uh, environmentalism. We're training our kids about the gay agenda and homosexuality. Folks, this is a perfect opportunity with what's gone down with this shutdown. Now is the time to make sure and have your kids in homeschool. God willing, one day we can rescue what we consider public education. And thank God, I got to tell you, I sat there yesterday and listened, and I, and I don't watch all of the speeches. I listened to President Trump's speech last night. You know what? I love that man. I don't know how in the world anybody that calls himself a patriot can look at his policy and say, I do not support him. You know and Some of the things he is committed to doing in the next four years are to end abortion and to make sure that school choice Becomes the norm across the United States. Where every parent... By the way, who did God entrust with overseeing the education of their children? Moms and dads. And by the way, when you hear this whole idea about public funds, there is no such thing as public funds. The city of Edmond has no money. The state of Oklahoma has no money. The federal government has no money. The only money they have... Or what they take from us in taxes. Or what they borrow. And we're on the line to repay. And I know Dan's taught on the Constitution. Just a, a brief reminder. That is why all spending bills are supposed to be, uh, originate in the House of Representatives. Because the House is supposed to represent the people. And again, it's the people's money. So you ought to have the right... To choose what kind of education, whether you want your child to be taught the gay agenda, or Marxism, or evolution, or whether you want your child to be taught real phonics, and and writing, and and arithmetic, and and history, and a biblical worldview. They theorized at this Frankfurt School that Marx was wrong in assuming that the conflict out of which revolution stemmed would be economical only, but instead they focused on society and culture this field of study is called critical theory five points we'll make briefly point number 1 critical theory maintains that marx has two groups but instead of simple economics the groups are those with power and those without power Remember, Marx's whole premise was based upon conflict, continued agitation, continued agitation until the people finally got tired and gave up and said, just make it stop, make it go away. Marx was frustrated because he thought that would happen with the working class. But once they, people went on strike and they got a pay raise, that's all they wanted. They went back to work. They didn't go on with a revolution, which was what Marx wanted. By the way, that's why they had to come up with paid community organizers. Someone that's paid to continue to lead in stirring up the agitation. And remember, we've taught through this, two of the three founders of Black Lives Matter admit to being trained organizers, trained Marxists by their own words. And remember the first time you ever heard the word community organizer. Barack Obama. Point number two, critical theory says that those with power always oppress those who don't have power. Obviously, this is ridiculous. Do parents oppress their children? The Bible calls that authority. It says children obey your parents. Uh, Parents, train up your children in the way that they should go. Let me ask you this. Are teachers guilty of oppressing their students? (laughs) Good point. Are employees oppressed by their bosses? No. No. You have the choice to leave and go to another job. That's called freedom. You're not bound to work there. Do pastors oppress their congregations? You better be careful. Now think about this. Here's the the perfect illustration. Jesus in Gethsemane. Prayed, Father, if there be some other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Even Jesus was submitted to the will of the Father. Now, is the Father an oppressor and Jesus the oppressed? Of course not. Point number three, your identity is based not on you created in the image of God, but what group you belong to. Critical theory, of course, came out of the Frankfurt School of Marxism after 1933. Group identities have changed over the last 90 years. Rather than property owners and workers, now we have sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, income, religion, immigration status. And in the 1970s, we added race. And now we have the critical race theory. Which, by the way, our president just signed an executive order to try to root this poison out of the Justice Department, out of the military, and out of every area of government. And some of these Marxists that have been placed in power over the last eight years, or the eight years prior to his presidency, are saying no. Folks, that is a coup. Point number four, intersectionality. This measures your level of oppression. In the textbook is everyone equal, you'll find this chart labeled Chart 5.1. This chart gives examples of groups within the critical theory paradigm. Now, understanding the presupp- presupposition of critical theory, then you recognize that, according to this, that white people always oppress people of color. What about William Wilberforce? What about Ben Franklin? Benjamin Rush and the other abolitionists. What about Abraham Lincoln? What about the 360,000 plus who died fighting in the, for the North in the war between the states? Obviously, this is not true. But it's being taught to our children that it's true. Amen. Under this theory, bosses always oppress their employees. Well, let me ask you this. Since you didn't answer the question right well ago, have you ever had a boss that you did like? So this is obviously not true. Men always oppress women. Yeah, right. Wait until you wait until you get married and see <laughs> see how that works out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Heterosexuals always oppress gays, lesbians, transsexuals, gender identity, and others. Except for when those groups are suing Christian bakers and Christian florists and Christian photographers for standing on their religious liberty. Christians always oppress non-Christians. <laughs> There's not been a more persecuted group documented throughout history than the persecution that Christians have faced from the outset. Read Fox's Book of Hey, You don't have to. Look at what happened in Syria just within the last ten years. Remember when they were beheading Christians on the beach. The disabled are always being oppressed by the able-bodied. Illegal aliens are always oppressed by those nasty U.S. citizens. And whites have always oppressed Indians. Folks, let me just stop for a minute here. You know what happened within just a couple of days when the pilgrims, by the way, the longest peace treaty ever in American history was created between the, uh, the pilgrims and the uh, tribes around them? Uh, Fifty-five years of peace. The only time we had anything that long. You know what happened on the first couple of days after the uh, uh, pilgrims were trying to explore the ground? They had Indians shooting arrows at them. You know what that means? The Indians already had arrows. You know what that means? The Indians were already, and we know this to be true, fighting amongst themselves. Bill Fetter, our dear friend who we've had in our church, in fact, we'll have him back in December, told a story one time where he was down taking a tour, and the lady was taking the tour and talking about how uh, they were looking at the... uh, the, the Indian, of uh, the uh, Navajo, uh, uh, they build their homes way up on the side of a cliff, and, and ask the question: well, Why did they build them up there? Well, for protection. Well, how long have they been there? Oh, for thousands of years. What are they building for protection from? Oh, the white man. Well, wait a second. <laughs> they were built for protection. They've been there for thousands of years. White man's only been here like four hundred years. So you're saying they were already there? They needed protection from whom? from other Indian tribes, which were their enemy. Nevertheless, you're going to find that in a moment, facts don't matter. The term intersectionality measures your level of oppression. The more groups you belong to, then the greater your oppression. So if you're a gay, black, atheist woman, you have greater moral authority than a straight, black, Christian man. And people who have no voice are white, Heterosexual Christian males. Oh, we're oppressors in more ways than it can be counted. We, I, I hit the trifecta and the daily double. And the term being woke means the only way those who are part of the oppressor class can gain moral authority is by surrendering to the views of the oppressed class. That's why you see Chick-fil-A's Dan Cathy shining the shoes of a black Christian rapper. That's why you see Congress kneeling as they do. That's why you see de Blasio painting the Black Lives Matter name on the street. And the more groups you belong to, then the more moral authority you have. And no one can argue with your life experience because my experiences and feelings matter more than your facts. So don't talk to me about a baby being able to feel pain. And don't try to point out those body parts. And don't point out the fact that it's got a separate heart and a separate circulatory structure. And a separate skeletal structure. And, 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 and uh, a separate uh, a distinct DNA. And, and a, perhaps a different gender from the mother. Don't point out from that. Because you don't have a voice unless you have a uterus. You can't talk about Islam unless you're a Muslim. You can't talk about race unless you're a minority. I guess we're going to have to stop talking about the weather because none of us are meteorologists. It's amazing how frequently they talk about Christians and pastors. Facts matter, ladies and gentlemen. There's a difference between crossing the border illegally and legal immigration. It's the same difference between being a burglar and an invited guest. And by the way, these people that oppose having defined borders. By the way, God is who established nations. We covered that many months ago. We shouldn't have nations. Take it up with God. And understand what was going on at Babel. Man unified In defiance to God, other than God raining down fire from heaven, who's going to stop them? That's why God divided the nations, because God uses nations to check the evil in other nations. Scripture is very clear that God used Babylon to punish disobedience in Israel. And I believe it is obvious that God used a country like the United States of America to, uh, to check the evil that was spreading in Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. That's how God has worked on this thing. And if you have a front door on your house, and if you lock your front door, then you too believe in border security. Truth matters. Now, let's make some application. Are there racists? Of course. Is America systematically racist? No. A systematically racist country would not elect a black president in 2008. By the way, 43% of white voters voted for Barack Obama. I did not. Not because he's half black. I didn't vote for him because he's a Marxist. 95% of black voters voted for Obama. I find it hard to believe that 95% of our black brothers and sisters are Marxists. Just looking at that, I would say that one group that was taking into effect race over issues was this one and not this one. We have had or currently have black Americans serve as Attorney General, Secretary of State, Set on the Supreme Court in virtually every position of authority that exists. We have a United Negro College Fund. We have Miss Black America. We have Black Entertainment Television. We have, what is, we even have a Black History Month and, and, and a National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Seventy percent of the NFL and 75 percent of the NBA are comprised of black athletes. Many of America's most popular actors and athletes and recording stars are black Americans. America clearly is not a country that oppresses black people and people of color. And LeBron James makes a hundred million dollars a year. Please keep lecturing me about systematic racism and talk to me how blacks are being oppressed. Recently on the Don Lemon, no I take this back, it was a couple of years ago on the Don Lemon program. Well, that's properly named. He was interviewing Morgan Freeman about racism. Enjoy this. Do you think that race plays a part in wealth dis- distribution, or either a mindset that you can't or cannot? Yeah, no, you don't. No, I don't. I don't. I, you and I—we're proof. Why would race have anything to do with it? Stick. Put your mind to what you want to do, and go for that. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. Um. I had a long haul uh, from where I came from to here but here we are right so proof is in the proof of the pudding is in the eating and here we sit at the dining table but it's hard to when you say that to some people because they say oh there <laughs> you go with a pull yourself up by the bootstraps thing and you know you're just being respectable not everybody can do that well, everybody can <laughs> Let's look at some of the facts about the shootings by police. Writers and media are telling us that we have rogue bands of cops roaming the streets looking for innocent black men to kill. In fact, LeBron said in a tweet that a black man can't leave his house without fear of being hunted down and killed. Well, this study by the Social, Psychological, and Personality Science is one of the most recent available. It looked at 2015 and 2016. Let's look at the data. The number of blacks killed by police in 2015 was 261. The number that were unarmed was 17. 2016, the number actually decreased 249. Now let's compare that with the number of whites 526. White men were killed by the police versus 261 black men. 28 unarmed white men were killed by the police versus 17 black men. And ladies and gentlemen, the reality is that almost every one of these killed by police were suspected of criminal activity, were caught in the commission of a crime, or were resisting arrest. Now let me ask you this, do those perpetrating crimes carry any responsibility? Let me tell you, these police men and women, their own lives are on the line every time they respond to a call. They have to make life and death decisions in an instant. And unfortunately, there's no instant replay to correct a mistake by an officer. But every incident is investigated by the district attorney. And every officer and every citizen in the United States has the presumption of innocence... Until proven guilty in a court of law by the jury of your peers. We do not just roam the streets looking for rogue justice. By the way, FBI crime stats for 2018 show whites that killed blacks were 234, shows blacks killing blacks 2,600 criminal activities. In 2018, by the way, while 17 unarmed black suspects were killed by police in 2015, 1,876 black babies are killed every day in their own mother's womb through abortion. And additionally, according to the Chicago Sun-Times, one recent weekend in Chicago, 85 people were shot with 24 killed. Where are the protests for those dead? Let me ask you, don't those black lives matter? No, the only black lives that matter are those that can be exploited by the race pimps to raise money and awareness for the Democratic Socialist Party. And folks, facts don't matter with critical race theory. You're a racist because you're white. And if you try to defend yourself... You're just demonstrating that you're a racist. And if you try to present facts to the contrary, well, that just proves that you're a racist. In fact, the whole system is racist. By the way, understand now you look back at it and you see clearly. We talked about it at the time. (laughs) What does hope and change mean? Well, it depends on if you're a Christian or if you're a Marxist. If you're a Marxist, you're wanting to change this systematically racist republic in which we find ourselves. In fact, everything white's got to be torn down, including statues of this white man's Jesus, as social justice activist and former pastor, Sean King, lectures us. Now, folks, we know that we are all descendants of Adam, and we all come through the line of Noah. But after Noah, there were three sons, and we know historically that the lineage of Ham largely settled in Africa. We know that the lineage of Japheth largely settled in Europe, and from that, the European immigration to the New World, a lot of us can trace our roots. We know it was the lineage of Shim that settled in the Middle East, and from Shim came the Jews. Let me tell you, my Savior was not a white man. My Savior was not a black man. He was God who became human and happened to be a Jewish man. What puts the perfect end to this lesson is that Sean King is really a white man who identifies as black. But remember, facts don't matter. Now, I was originally going to end right here, but I'm going to add a five minute addition because it's something that you're seeing debated right now in the public square, and you've got to know the truth. Truth matters. We're seeing these riots coming from the Breonna Taylor, what they call Breonna Taylor murder. Let me tell you the facts Breonna Taylor's ex boyfriend was a drug dealer. He had been arrested by the police. They came to her apartment about 1 a.m., according to the police, knocked on the door, it was not answered broke the door in. They had a search warrant. Brianna Taylor had another man in her apartment in bed with her. This man, as many of us would do if someone kicked in the door of our house, had a gun and shot at the police hitting one of the policemen and severing an artery in his leg. But what do you think the police are going to do? Shoot back. And it is a tragedy. It is a tragedy that Brianna Taylor died. But the black attorney general, Mr. Cameron, investigated it. And after presenting all of the evidence to a grand jury... It takes nine members out of a 12-member grand jury to choose to indict someone on a particular crime. These 12 citizens picked 12 people from across this audience or from out of Edmond. They sat there objectively, looked at all the facts, and came back with a decision that they did. That these policemen were not guilty of murder. Folks, that's how the system is designed to work. We want justice to be done. But that's not what's being told out there to the masses or through the mass media. We're told that this is all another example of rogue bands of cops roaming the streets looking for innocent blacks to kill. That is a lie. Comes out of the critical race theory paradigm, trying to create this constant turmoil and destruction to ultimately throw off what we currently have, which is the Constitutional Republic of the United States that has lasted for almost 240 years, and they want to replace it with a Marxist utopia. If you want to see what that looks like, just look at Venezuela, just look at Cuba, just look at Russia, just look at China, just look at North Korea. Folks, we've said it before. In fact, we've mocked at it before. But this is not just an election between Republicans and Democrats. This election is about whether we are going to sustain our republic or throw it off and become socialists. Truth matters. Now, folks, ultimately, we can't lose our salvation. Let me tell you this, I think that sometime over the next few weeks we'll be doing a lot of practical messages because this election is not going to be like any other election we've ever been through. We are already seeing what's going on. In fact, they're already fanning the flames for it. The other side is not going to accept the results of this election. And I don't know what all that's going to look like ultimately. But in every time in American history beginning with George Washington to John Adams, we have had a peaceful transfer of power. We had a peaceful transfer of power in 2008, 2012 with the re-election President Obama. But in 2016, there has been no peace. There has been a revolt from day one. And what happens in 2020 will determine Whether the Republic stands and the Marxists can be rooted out of our educational systems, out of our State Department, out of the Justice Department, or whether we lose. If we lose, we're not going to lose our salvation. But let me tell you what, things are going to change drastically as a church and for Christians. And here's the point I'm wanting to make right now. If it was you that had been in Syria in 2012 and part of the caliphate had captured you and had you handcuffed and had you on your knees on the beach and had a big knife at your throat and ask you, will you renounce Jesus as your Savior and Lord and live? Or I'm going to behead you right now. Now folks, that's easy to say when we're sitting in air-conditioned comfort and that we're not really at risk. But as we're seeing, has come about so quickly. As they're seeing, we, we have churches being fined thousands of dollars every day for having church. What would your answer be? We need to do some soul searching. Make sure that you know that what you claim to believe is really real. Folks, the tomb was empty. Jesus is the Lord. He won't force himself upon anyone. You have the freedom to choose. But Jesus warned. In fact, every time his following got too big, he would warn them. He would glean them. He would thin thin the ranks with some challenging question. Or in order to really enjoy life, you must be willing to lose this one. Do you love me more than your own mom and dad? If it came down between the two, which direction would you go? Folks, we may be coming to a point in time where we have to make those kinds of decisions. So it's absolutely critical that you know what you know is really real. Is Jesus really your Lord? Has there been a point in time where you fell on your knees and cried out to Jesus, as your Savior, do you know that if you died today, you would be in heaven? Do you know that if the so far sounded, that you'd be caught up to be with the Lord? Are you willing to die for those beliefs, if necessary? You say, Pastor, why are you talking like that? Let me tell you, people. Then we've got Christian brothers and sisters in the world today that are having to make that decision. We've been so blessed. We have been so blessed. We are the only Christians in Christian history that haven't been persecuted for our faith, and that may be coming to an end. Are you willing to choose Jesus if it meant the life of your spouse? Are you willing to choose Jesus if it meant the life of your child? Do you really believe that what you claim to believe is really real?